On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to talk about techniques that help you set actionable goals that will move your business forward. That's on this episode of Bootstrappers. This is the Bootstrapper Show for Property Management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business. Welcome to Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that are important to real estate and property management entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, here with my spouse, Jeremy Aspen. And on today's episode, we're going to dive deep into goal setting and talk about all the things that you could otherwise spend $30,000 on a facilitator or a coach to teach you to do, or you can just listen to this podcast. But these are gonna be actionable uh, techniques that you can use to set better goals this year and really grow your company. And Bootstrappers is brought to you and powered by Anaquim. Um, go to anaquim.net right now to download our ebook about proce- uh, policies, procedures, um, procedures and pr- uh, processes and procedures. Uh, having excellent procedures is a necessity, a requirement for your business to grow and thrive. So uh, get the quick and dirty guide at anaquim.net. I just want to say, bounce, bow, bow. Anaquim.xxx. Okay. So anyway, goal goal setting obviously is essential for any business that's ambitious, and our job as leaders always is to set a ambitious vision for the company, uh, get the team on board, and then break that vision down to executable steps so that it actually gets done. And it was kind of funny. I thought this was funny, but maybe it's just because I'm such a nerd. But I was on Twitter and someone posted on there that everybody, every entrepreneur is Steve Jobs or thinks they're Steve Jobs and everybody else thinks they are as well until they start executing. So I just thought that was funny. You're looking at me like that's not even funny at all. But I thought it was funny because everybody with an idea thinks they have what it takes, but the executing and actually getting things done is what separates a successful business from a mediocre Well, and to some extent, I've always said that ideas are expensive and they're actually in a very worthless way because so many people bring ideas to things and then there's energy and time spent on discussing the ideas and not nearly enough time turning the, the, the idea into anything that's relevant, useful, or much less implemented. I, I think that's such a good segue. So I wanted to talk about our history with Wistar. So Wistar Group was our property management company we recently sold. Uh, but at Wistar, our first few years, we were gangbusters. We we're growing like crazy. And then we kind of hit this wall where we didn't grow anymore. And I think it was exactly what you're talking about. We were full of ideas. And we would start an idea, half-ass it, never fully execute it, start another idea, half-ass it, not execute it. And I remember being at one of our leadership meetings, which was always at a restaurant, um, and be looking at everyone and being like, what the hell did we accomplish this year? Like, we all worked our asses off. We spent a lot, we all came to work every day. But really, what did we do that moved the business forward? And when the answer was sadly we hadn't accomplished a whole lot that's when i got serious about goal setting and be having a structured process for doing so so that we never had another year like that and with property management industry you're going to go through a couple of phases there are a couple of triggers for there having to be a structural change that is when you get to 100 units 
you have to do everything over 150 units you have to set up a totally different structure when you get to 400 450 units same thing that the structure you were using before will not work and then when you that'll carry you up to about 11 1200 units and then you have to do something after that to help make sure that your operation can keep up so um i just want to talk about the process so when we originally so how many units do you think we were at when we kind of first plateaued about 1200 units and we always stayed we stayed at 1200 units forever no, this had to be before that no you think it was at 1200 units where well, we were at 1200 units for years but years. we were moving forward with our business because they were kept being better units they kept being better units. so we kept growing revenue but we never we didn't uh, add doors which is a strategy and it's a valid strategy but it's not uh, I don't know it's not as ambitious so what one of the things that uh, when we set the when we were at the restaurant that was problematic is we have all the leaders there which is expensive all the people making quite a bit of money and no one was in charge of taking notes we had quarterly goals sometimes we remembered them sometimes we didn't we didn't have any accountability structure we didn't even uh, have the to-dos written down. So it would be like, did you buy the printer ink last month? I can't remember. Was that on your list? And since there was no structure, that's what meant that we didn't get anything done. So I think the first thing that helped us solve this problem was, one, we recognized we had a problem. Then secondly, we got software to help us keep track of our to-dos and our quarterly oh, So you're goals. like way at the beginning. Well, I'm at the... Yeah, okay. And then, so once we got the software where we tracked it and we stopped having those stupid meetings at restaurants. I can't believe... I know, talked to so many business owners that have their most important meetings at restaurants where they're not writing anything down. Yeah, it does happen. And there's... Yeah, all it is then is a conversation, which conversations you can't really convert anything into useful. I mean, unless someone has a really good memory or you have your secretary on the cell phone. Right. So, so if you're, I mean, you can read traction, you can get an EOS implementer, but if we're just talking about a tactic, the very first thing to do is get a software or have some way to take notes. The second thing to do is have a cadence for your goal setting, which have an annual meeting where you set the priorities for the year and then block out at the beginning of the year, your quarterly meetings and who you want to be there for the, for the remainder of the year. So at least you have a goal setting cadence, right? And then we also advocate for a weekly meeting to make sure people are on track and we'll talk about one-on-ones in a minute. But the number one thing that we still, even now, I think struggle with is not having vague goals. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. You want to have you want to have goals that make sense, and we do kind of still have. Sometimes that we still screw that in. one up. But um, okay, so some examples of a vague goal is like overhauling the maintenance department. Right, and and it's not like that's a, a simple objective. Overhauling a maintenance department has a lot of component parts that need to all be addressed in that project. But like if that's a quarterly goal for somebody, what me what makes it them successful? How do they know that they won at that goal or not? So and I think overhauling the maintenance department, I just have some examples like creating the initial procedures for the department. Is that overhauling it? Is it hiring a full-time maintenance person and having them fully trained? Like what is the end point that shows success? And if you're not specific, you run into this problem. I'm going to give you a personal example. I'm going to tell it myself. I had a very ambiguous goal last, like the last two quarters. And it was called... Um, uh, what was it? it? It was create learning platform. 
create oh, learning yeah. platform. Okay, so the first quarter, the actual thing that I accomplished was I researched all the learning platforms and chose one. But that I should have said that. Research that learning platforms, choose one. And then the next quarter, I had create learning uh, classes, write the scripts, produce the videos, and I accomplished that. But then that should have been it, you know, right? And then the third one is now it's getting it on the learning platform so it's usable. But those all, I think I would have completed all of these way more quickly had it been more specific. Because so on the day-to-day -day you would have had more of a, or a, more of a focused scope it wouldn't because having this such a yes. broad title means you can literally do anything in that realm and still feel like you're at least working on the project. And, and it's not true. Yeah, it might I, be something you need to do in three weeks or uh, four months from now. So I think another example that I had for the property management industry is everybody wants to be on the Mar uh, NARPM accounting standards. So like if you wrote down NARPM accounting standards as the goal. <laughs> that could mean researching it, implementing it in the software, beta testing it, I don't know, but being more specific with your goals is essential. And it's amazing how even though people know this, they still screw it up. Like set up yourself. your, in that case, it would also include anything from having the, your payroll period, or I'm sorry, your um, payables uh, workflow down pat. So have a system that works for the week without having to have, for instance, the uh, NARPM chart of accounts yet, so that you have a workflow. That on Thursdays you approve the bills and on Fridays you pay the bills, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you don't do shit with the bills, um, except put them in. And then at the, oh, and then so when it comes time to, um, for the um, NARPM chart of accounts, then at least it's entering into a workflow that already works. So that would be first get your payrolls down pat and two get your So you your would NARPM. say that would be like a quarterly goal. Like yeah. just get your payroll down pat. Make Maybe it that's nice your and easy. first one. Yeah. Then look at the NARPM accounting standards. Yeah, and then put them in and just because then it becomes part of an already functional system. You don't want to try to take on the like I have a payables problem and part of my problem, part of my solution is going to be implementing the NARPM uh, chart of accounts. Eh. Yes, but it's in a series circuit. First, you want to get your payables system down pat, and then two, you want to make sure that what you're measuring or what you're inputting turns into something that you can use to measure the performance of your company. So again, just being very specific and really thinking through what is truly achievable, and that kind of goes to our next big tip, which is make sure your goals are not inspirational, but actually achievable. And so this sounds bad, right? We all as leaders want to be inspirational. But um, when you set a goal and you don't make it for a number of good reasons as a leader, you're setting a culture where it's okay to not achieve goals. And this is actually a problem <laughs> if I just telling on myself in this. Well, it is but, for everybody. I mean, we always, we, all of us run into varying degrees of all of these problems. It's just being able to focus. So, and also, and, like one of the problems that I have that I had last quarter, I didn't uh, make all my uh, rock, we call them rocks because we're on the EOS system, but was that my travel schedule was insane last quarter. 
it was insane. And I, my goals would have been achievable had I not been going to conferences, going to Mexico. Um, I had a girl's trip planned for our 40th birthdays at a spa, which was amazing. You're 40? (laughs) But I had all these other things going on. And so I guess my advice here, because it's my own problem, is if you're going, and also it was Q4. Q4 is the holidays, which means presents, wrapping, remembering everybody, and getting up, being Santa, being amazing. And so keep all those things in mind. Also, if you have like a health problem and then you're gonna have to go to physical therapy every week, keep that in mind. If you're gonna coach your kids' team, keep that in mind. And also as a leader, sometimes we have secret rocks. We all know about the secret rock. Like maybe business partners aren't getting along and you're gonna be spending your whole time making sure that you figure out how your business partner and you can get along. Maybe you need business partner therapy with like a business coach. And obviously that's a secret rock. So when you're with your leadership team who doesn't know about that problem, you don't wanna be super open about that issue. You wanna ratchet back your rocks so your say-do ratio is strong and you keep a strong culture and you're um, you're demonstrating good, uh, good goal setting behavior, right? Amen to that. Um, so I, I think that those are some of the inspirational, and I'm still working on that because I'm always like, oh my God, we could do, we can do everything in this one quarter. We're amazing. We're going to do it all. And then I, I think like my positivity gets in the way of me being realistic. And it's irritating. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm a little bit more of a realist on that one. I don't, I don't let, I don't put down too. I'm also inherently lazy, so I can, I, my, my body, my mind is quick to calibrate. You so, might want to. When you say like you're a lazy, I feel like you need to be honest. I am about actually what you mean about that. I'm actually uh, the laziest hard worker that I know because, again, whenever I see an opportunity to not do something ever again. I work my ass off to make sure that I never have to do Which it. Which is again. why you're an amazing process and procedure That's why I, person. Yeah. Because yeah. he's like, I don't want to do this process again. So I'm going to write it down. I'm going to teach you. And then I want you to do it. And I'm never going to look at it again. Um, okay. So this makes it, uh, I want to talk about having fewer goals to get more done. Kind of to your point. These are just one after the other leading into one after the other. So I'm going to talk about my personal goals for last year were like everybody else's. I'm so basic. It was like work out, eat healthy, read more, get off social media, hang out with my kids more. Um, also I had learned Spanish on there and I, I got them all done because I chose one a month to focus on. And so if I had gone into January gung ho on all of them, I don't think I would have accomplished any of them. But because I focused on one each month, it was fun at the end of the year being like, check, 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 check. Even on the daily level, I know that if I've got a a whole bunch of things that I've got to do and I've got a pretty long to-do list, I never, ironically, never really feel like I got anything done because most of my to-dos are part of a a larger project, a bigger thing that we're working on. So I never quite feel like I'm done. But when I spend a day on just one project and I, and I, and I accomplish little things inside of it, I have a tendency, I tend to feel a lot better about myself because it feels like you're taking a bigger chunk out of the pie, out of the ultimate objective. And it's fun. I like doing that. Like being able to just focus. Like when I see my afternoon is clear, 
I get to just, then you can focus. Yeah, I get to just have you uh, brain um, brainstorming sessions, and it's great. And you all probably know, we're, we're we live in Omaha, so we live close to the Oracle, <laughs> and we were at a at a party with Warren. With not with Warren, but um, with his number two guy, oh, yeah. and he only has two goals a week. And I was like, "Well, that makes sense." But he and he reads three hours a day. Two so, or three. so anyway, we should all be more like that. But also, I just want to point out that my annual goals last year were not specific at all. Like, eat healthy. How do you freaking measure whether you succeeded or not at eating healthy? Yeah. So even personal goals, like learn Spanish, what it really was, was take Spanish lessons every single day. Um, which you did. Which I did. And stop being on social media so much. It took the apps off my phone and it really did work. Uh, meditate. I had like a weekly goal of how many minutes I would meditate. So even with our personal goals, we should use the same techniques of being very specific. Um, but fewer, fewer goals uh, also helped us at Wistar Group because what would happen at the restaurant is we would get so overwhelmed because every week we'd be like, oh, we should do that and we should do this. And, and it was like the graveyard of goals. It, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was, it was, yeah, it, it seemed like every single meeting was a wish list that just skipped the list part. No, it skipped the do part. It was, <laughs> it, a, the do it was a wish list. And so, so what's the, the problem is, is if you're not realistic and you don't, you're not prioritizing and you're chasing this shiny object and you're left in the wake of half done, not executed projects, which you said is the most expensive business choice. Like all those ideas that go nowhere, yeah. super expensive. There, I, I, I would imagine that's probably one of the most expensive things that a company can do. Have a whole bunch of ideas, talk about them, and never never take any time to write them down. And, and So uh, I want to talk about, out. make this real with an example. Tell us about the cursory inspection. So I think this is, okay, for any property manager out there, I think this was the most brilliant thing I ever came up with. It was, it was top. I, I chose this one because this is like still years later, still something that Jeremy is pissed off about. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is definitely in the top three or 400 of my best ideas. But, um, you know, whenever somebody moves out, there's always this uh, piling up of things that need to be done. So... Depend, some people move out. So if you have 40 move outs in a month. Because it's it's July in Omaha and it would be like 40 or 75, to 60. So 75, 80. So whatever the number is, you've got a whole bunch of move outs. Well, we all know that those move outs have varying degrees of efforts that need to be input in order to have a product that's ready for market. And so to me, it always seemed like it made a lot of sense to go through every single one of them the day they come available and tag it with a one a two a three or a four as in severity like how based on it, severity and it doesn't have to be quantifiable so it, like a one was do like tiny things and put it on the market a, a one was something that could be done in one or two days um with i'm talking manpower but uh, the other one anyway so one is being is the easiest and four is the most uh complicated four of them can take uh, number four would take somewhere near a month maybe if we had to or really a lot of damage um, so what you then do is after you've been through all the properties, you go and do all the ones first, because if you put your whole make ready team on just the ones, you're going to have a far higher, 
um, larger number of onboards happen, happen way sooner. And then you roll into the twos, so it's the lowest hanging fruit, and then up to the threes and fours. And um, it just never got enough track. We did do it several times, and man, it worked, but we never had the discipline to keep it as part of the system. It was always like in a beta phase. And then, of course, if you're not focused on uh, implementing something uh, permanently, you end up, the, the people the, get busy and they go back to doing things that, the way that they used to do them, which is well, and here's the what other you're problem. trying to avoid. You spend all this time thinking about it, writing it down, implementing it, and then when you stop doing it for no really good reason, or it never gets fully baked into the culture, all that effort is wasted. And so I guess my takeaway is if, if we had spent just even even t say it took three months and all we did was work on the cursory inspection yeah, and, and perfect it and make sure it's part of our culture, we would have moved faster than if we had chosen six different projects to get done at the same time and then nothing really got fully baked. And then half of those projects, which were good ideas, but for whatever reason, someone left or the energy wasn't there or whatever, just kind of fell away. It's it's just so much better to just prioritize one thing and get it done. If I would have done, if I would have done that for um, three months, and just the only thing I did for three months, we would have advanced so much more quickly because it's really just treating the resources you have available in the most efficient way possible and deploying it correctly, like. I think it was great. I, someone should out there should be doing this because, and maybe they are at this point, but it's uh, it's going to take some time to get it implemented. But when you do, and we did, it worked. So at the beginning of your year, put all those shiny object ideas on on paper, write them down, and look at the ones that if you do this, it's going to make a whole difference in your business, and just focus on those big big topics first and put all your energy to them and maybe you just have one big project a quarter I don't know but you'll get more done if you're focused than if you're all over the place okay the next one is think through the steps to get a project completed so as entrepreneurs we're like I don't understand why you don't understand this like I gave you a broad topic Jeremy do you have a, a broad topic a top of head top of mind like start uh, uh, let's go back to the training um the learning platforms find a learning platform was my topic for a team just finding and researching the learning platform took forever because they weren't sure what the steps were to get it done and so outlining the steps with the people doing the work or have them give it a try first and then check and make sure you like the steps but make sure each milestone is written down and your projects will be so much faster. Oh, a recent one at Anaquim was, we just had a benefits project and I won't go into the weeds, but you even recently were like, show me all the steps. Yeah. And then as soon as all the steps were written down, it got done like that. Yeah, yeah, peace, just build it. And that's the way that I think leaders need to look at projects is, like if I go into a project and I really just outline it with what my expectations are, or at least some of the um, important parts that have to be done, put due dates on it, uh, then then people, there's already, there's like this structure that people can use, latch onto, and then start to actually knock things out. 
check them off the list. And so here's how to implement this in a good way. So obviously you have your your quarterly meeting where you pick the projects. Everybody gets one to two projects, maybe, maybe, unless that's overzealous for them to take on. And then at that time, it's going to be kind of amorphous, like oh, you're not, you're not going to know every step. Then have one-on-ones with each of those people and say, show me your steps. What are your steps? What's the due date for this? What resources do you need? Who else is, whose help do you need to get the step done? Outline all the steps. And if you don't do that, the probability of that project getting done are like, I don't know, 20, 30% if they don't have good steps like in the time frame it's very low and actually there's yeah. statistics on this in the harvard business review i just can't remember them but unless those steps are very specific with time uh dates on them it's not going to get done so or, or it's less likely to get done so if you want to get projects done more quickly that's one of the advice is the one-on-one meetings i do them every other week if you have like a critical issue, I would say have a huddle every morning on that issue and get rid of any barrier barriers or people waiting for things or anything going on that's preventing it from moving forward. It's amazing how projects will just lag until you have the next one-on-one for some silly reason like, oh, I just didn't know how to do this in the system or the report didn't work. You're like, oh my God, we wasted a week because the report didn't work. Um, so... At any rate. Okay, so now it's holding people accountable. Do you have any words of wisdom on holding people accountable? Uh, well, I mean, we can go anything, anywhere from um, hire slowly, fire fast, but that's not really that's not really useful. I mean, everyone kind of knows that one. I would just say the paralysis of not knowing what to do or something not working is the number one thing that holds people back. Like whenever, even when we're overwhelmed at Wistar when we had too many projects, you just don't do anything because you're overwhelmed. And so I think noticing when your employees are overwhelmed or when you, you yourself is overwhelmed and then really being specific, okay, what is the next step I can do to move this forward is very important in actually getting things done. You know, I th- so as far as accountability goes, there might also be some kind of active listening component that could be brought to bear to make things easier one going back one thing that needs to be done when you're holding people accountable is that on a regular basis bring up the the issue whatever it is that they're working on so that's what huddles are for every um i'm not i'm sorry not huddle but but level the weekly meetings those are designed so that you go you come back to every single topic every single week so that the person that's uh, there in the meeting with you knows that you're going to talk about it um, and what they're responsible for and their what, quarterly goals. and what they're responsible for um I was going to say miscommunication, but I don't think. So, well, miscommunication, so many times we have a project and one person thinks the project or a step to a project is different than the other person. Mm -hmm. Like I had the example where we hired a consultant to help us in an area of our business. And I heard that the person was continually canceling the meetings with the consultant. And I was like, why are you canceling these meetings with the consultant? Like we have this big project that's due at the end of the quarter and you're preventing it from moving forward. And she was like, well, I didn't think those meetings were important. I didn't, she didn't know what the purpose of the consultant was. 
So had we just talked about that sooner, we would have moved forward faster with that project. Um, and then also, if someone can't get a project done, give the responsibility to someone else. Yeah, because the objective has to be to get this thing done, especially because oftentimes the one rock, one um, goal is the precursor to being able to do the next one. So if you're off timing wise on one goal, one quarterly objective, and you don't, qu you don't get it done, then nobody can pick up the next step or do the next enhancement. Um, so after you decide someone's not gonna get it done, just give it to someone else so that, so that your business moves forward. The, the business takes precedence over a personality or whatever. Um, another, okay, so now I wanna go into tips. So don't change your projects in the middle of a quarter. If you have a disciplined process of, of deciding what the big projects are for the year, budgeting them out, and having quarterly goals that help you meet your annual goal, there's no need to chase the shiny object and change your direction in the middle of the quarter. Barring, like I think the one time where we did make massive corrections were when the shutdown happened with COVID. But barring massive shutdowns where your whole sales strategy is changed at a moment's notice do not change your projects in the middle of the quarter also um, for so for productive meetings one of the things i've noticed don't have people who never add anything to a meeting in a meeting why and then maybe it's just a one-on-one -on -one that you need to have like you never add anything to this meeting like if you consider yourself a leader you're gonna have to bring something like i need everybody to participate because um, it's a waste of money resources and I mean, why, why even be there if you're not gonna add anything? Um, and then, oh, this is a big thing that is interesting to me. So in meetings, when you're coming up with the projects, it's gonna get heated because maybe some people think we should prioritize this project, other people think that project, and you're all leaders, and I'm sure there's some egos in the room. Um, different people have different tolerances for conflict. So my tolerance is very high. Like I will totally tolerate a shit show and think it's completely functional, like way beyond other people's tolerance levels. But if you go too far into conflict, some people will shut down. But for me, I'm like, I'd rather get into this intense conflict and then say sorry later so that we get to where we should prioritize our time. I think that's worthwhile. Where I'm the same way whenever. whenever maybe that's why we're married, because we can yeah. kind of like have high conflict and be rude and then walk it back. Well, to me, it's always a sign of progress. I always feel like, okay, if everybody's having a big, long conversation, if, if everyone's having a conversation and there's a little bit of a disagreement, then it's not like not talking about it was going to make it not happen. So having the conflict actually helps. But there's a lot of people, and this is what I think this is important to understand. A lot of people really need more of a structure that just says what it is they need to do to get this done. Or... Just or they don't. They want the, it to be more polite in the moment. Oh, maybe. Like or, they prioritize politeness over conflict. I prioritize conflict to get to the right idea over politeness. But if you go uh, over the edge with conflict, people shut down, and they're not going to give you their ideas anyway. So it doesn't. The other way to do this is to assign the project to one person and then just let them do it. No, but I'm just talking about in a leadership meeting when you're deciding mm -hmm. on the projects. And then, so, so you kind of have to have a discussion with people about their comfort level with 
conflict and if you've gone over the line and they went into shutdown. It's important to have those conversations. And then if you think you're not touching the elephant in the room because nobody wants to have conflict and we're too polite, then you need to have that discussion. But having open discussions about conflict, I think, is important to making sure that your meetings are productive. Um, and then that brings us to having regular discussions about whether your meetings are useful or not. If someone wasted a whole hour and a half in a meeting, then they're responsible for saying that at the end of the meeting. And this was a waste of my time for this and that reason. A quick trick for that is just to ask everybody to get to score the meeting one to ten. Yeah, but and and force people to be honest about it mm -hmm. because people can lie and that's not helpful to anybody. Okay, then the next thing I would say is if you don't have trust between the people being in like a strategic planning meeting, like a two-day meeting where you're going to decide on the next year, it's worth them going on a retreat or seeing somebody working out their trust issues before you have the meeting because your meeting is not going to be successful um, or as productive as it could be if people don't trust each other. And so we've done that before. We had our whole leadership team at Anaquim beside, with Jeremy and I not there on a retreat. Um, we had doubled again this last year, and so that was like very hard on the team. Had them flush everything out with a business coach, and it was in like a pretty location, and then come back, and our meeting was amazing. But it was because trust had been built, resentments had been resolved, and they were ready to move forward in a productive way. And every once in a while, if you run into a situation where the company just feels like it's stalling, it is nice to have uh, maybe the perspective of a third party come in and facilitate a meeting for you. It's only for a day or two, but what they bring as an outsider is just a completely different vantage point. And it also helps everybody, to a certain degree, it makes it so that people have to comport themselves a certain way, like a, maybe a little more professional way, because there's somebody here that's not normally here. And we wanna put our best face forward. Yeah, I would say another reason to get a facilitator is if one person dominates all the meetings, or if you just suck at having meetings. <laughs> or yeah. the company is just not moving fast enough and you just feel like in order to get the growth you want, you're going to have to have a facilitator because they are pricey, but they can be worth it. They most definitely can. Yeah. Okay. Any closing thoughts on goal setting? No, get it done. Get it done. Okay, Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. And just again, if you want to have a quick and dirty guide to processes and procedures, go to anaquim.net right now, download your pro the process and procedure guide and get started on the right foot for 2022 with all your processes and procedures written down in a beautiful way so your team can move forward fast. That's a wrap. See you next week on Bootstrappers. This is the Bootstrapper Show for Property Management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business.